Parenting is often lived in the extremes. It's either great joy or chaotic overwhelm. In one moment, you're nailing it, and the next, you're losing your cool. I want to help you find your way to the messy middle, to a place of balance. You see, balance is a verb, not a state of being. It is a thing you do, not a thing you are. It is an action, a process, a series of micro-corrections that you make each and every day to keep yourself feeling centered. We are never truly balanced. We are engaged in the process of balancing. Hello, I'm Dr. Laura Froyan, and this is the Balanced Parent Podcast, where overwhelmed, stressed out, and disconnected parents go to find tools, mindset shifts, and practices to help them stop yelling at the people they love and start connecting on a deeper level, all delivered with heaping doses of grace and compassion. Join me in conversations that will help you get clear on your goals and values and start showing up in your parenting, your relationships, your life with open-hearted authenticity and balance. Let's go. Hello, everybody. This is Dr. Laura Froyan, and on this week's episode of the Balanced Parent Podcast, we are continuing our focus on play. And one of the biggest questions I get from my community around play is how to manage toys, how to set up an environment that is conducive to play, particularly when it feels like our kids have so much stuff. And after my decluttering with Ali Kazaza episode came out in the fall, I guess it was in December, wasn't it? I got flooded with questions on, okay, so yes, that was about us. Now what about kids? And so Ali is coming back with us. I'm so excited, Ali. Thank you so much for being here with us. And we're going to dig into kids. But for those of us, you know, the listeners who might not know who you are, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do, and especially what you know about kids and decluttering? Yeah, for sure. Thank you for having me back. And I love talking about this, especially as it relates to kids. So it's really important. So I'm Allie. And on the internet, I help women simplify everything. Home clutter is obviously like such a baggage and such a weight on all of us. I talk about that all the time. And we talked about that in the other episode. And, you know, schedule clutter and life clutter and even in business, business can get very cluttered and heavy, as you know. <laughs> yes, totally do. <laughs> <laughs> and so everyone has clutter of some kind everywhere, right? And so my job is to just really come in and lighten that load and give really simple, practical steps for people to simplify and release that pressure. And a part of that is really the kids come into play, right? And mm-hmm. it's about their things and their childhood and not handing down the really it's like the energy of overwhelm and the expectation that you know with consumerism and materialism Mm. and, and too much stuff and it's all wrapped up in how we really speak about things and how we handle things in our homes and in our family culture so that's a part of what I do as well and I'm excited to focus on that today. Yeah. Okay. So let's start there then. Why is it important for kids to have a space that serves them? You know, so talk about like the importance of kind of what clutter does for kids, how it impacts them. Okay. Yes. So it's the same for kids as it is for adults, right? It spikes your cortisol, which is your stress hormone. 
-hmm. And actually, because of the way that children's minds develop, and depending on the age, you know, it'll be a little bit different for each child and a little bit different for each kind of age bracket. But all people and especially all children are affected by their environment and the overstimulation of a cluttered environment. And, you know, we know this, we've, we've heard the studies, we've read them, we've seen the headlines, and you even know, you know, in your own actions. If you are having a really, really stressful day, or you had a really crappy day at work, and you come home and you might just like go on a cleaning spree and just feel like you need to clean the, mm-hmm. out the cabinets or scrub the counters, like people release stress by getting their physical space together. And it's very symbolic of feeling like you have some kind of control over the rest of your life. And that is because it is a mirror. Your physical space is a mirror of what's going on inside of you. So for kids, it's actually kind of the opposite. Mm -hmm. Their inner world is a mirror of what's going on around them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, obviously we know this with parenting and the words we speak and kids will pick up on relationship issues when no one is yelling just from tension and Mm -hmm. they can sense energy so much more easily and naturally than adults who have kind of been taught to tune that out. So when there's a cluttered environment, when there's a ton of options, I mean, they just don't do as well, plain and simple. There's a lot of really, really interesting studies on this that I really encourage everybody to Google on your own. But one in particular, I believe it was the one done in Germany on kindergartners or first graders, Mm -hmm. right? One of those grades. And basically, I won't bore you with all the details, but basically it ended up finding that kids just literally like when they have too many toys, it actually undoes their natural ability to play. They don't know what to do at first when the toys were taken away. They literally don't know what to do. And they have such a natural ability to imagine and create and come up with these beautiful stories and random games and playing with brooms and turning it into, you know, a car and a rocket ship and all of these things. And the toys that we have in our modern society really shut that down. And Mm -hmm. then you have like the amount of those toys at play, which is usually way too much. So it can damage their IQs. Like it, it can damage their development. It's just really, really a problem that it's very normal in, you know, our culture to have, you know, a big toy room full of lots of different options, lots of different toys. And we look at that and think, I'm like such a good parent. Look at what I'm giving my kids. And we mean so well, but really it is affecting them in a negative way. And I hate I don't want to sound like, actually, you're the worst. It's not that at all. <laughs> of course but it's not. just like the, the awareness of actually, really, again, the lesson is less is actually more. Yeah. And, you know, it's really hard to remember that in our capitalist and consumer driven society where we are being bombarded with marketing from the moment we figure out that we're about to bring a new child into our family. You need this, you need XYZ, you need all of these things, all of this stuff, which we don't need. We know that we don't need it. And kids are marketed to as well. That yes, 100%. It's really hard though. I think it's really hard to be a modern parent and trust in our kids, trust in simplicity when we're just being yes. bombarded uh, with- You also them. have, oh, I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead, please. No, no. <laughs> 
I was just going to add, you know, we also have the element as kids get a little bit older of their friends mm-hmm. and, oh, their friends are getting this much stuff for Christmas and for their birthday, they got all of this. And so it's really like, I just want to say to everyone listening that I see you, you know, Laura and I see you and we empathize and we have had conversations about this and struggled individually in this area. And I struggle like this is my job. And there's things that really get me sometimes like, shoot, what do I do about this? Because I don't want my kids to live a life where they're like super out of touch or like strange, like living this weird life with like only wooden blocks. Like we're not like that at all. We have iPads and video games and we love doing those things and they have toys. They have lots of toys, but it's not this overwhelming, it's much less than what I've noticed to be typical as I've, you know, made friends and I see other homes kind of for a living. And Mm -hmm. so it's just a lot less. So it's, but it is, I just want you to know, like it is complicated and it is hard, but if everyone is doing something a certain way, it's almost always not really for the best of anybody. So if you want the results that no one else is getting with your kids, with their like mental health, their well-being, their groundedness, their ability to really like tune into their intuition because mm-hmm. they're used to having some space and quiet and boredom, which is when kids really get to know themselves through being bored. I think boredom is one of the greatest gifts we could give our kids. <gasps> Me too, um, so much. <laughs> it's like my favorite thing when my kids are like, you know, well, I don't even say it anymore, but they used to be like, I'm bored. And I'm like, that's great. That is so great. Go outside and just like feel the energy of who you are and go connect with yourself. Bye. But it's like, no one does that. And so to get those results, those kids that we want to see growing up and flourishing, you've got to live a way that is a little different than everyone else, you know? Yeah, no, exactly. That's a little countercultural that that we don't actually want what's being sold. You know, we don't want a busy, overscheduled childhood for our kids and there's always agendas there's a reason why people want us buying more and more and more the latest toy mm-hmm. benefits someone that usually is not the person that we're trying to benefit by you know getting our kids something we're trying to benefit our kids and it doesn't you know and so yes 100 percent. i so agree yeah it seems like there's two pieces of this that there is this piece of like the visual clutter, having lots of stuff, so much stuff that you can't find what you're looking for. There's no space to play deeply. There's this kind of like this overwhelm feeling. And then there's also this piece of just how, you know, so that's like almost like an organizational piece so that if things can be tucked away and clear and it's, there's good visual lines and space to play is important, but then just reducing Mm -hmm. the amount of stuff that you have, the amount of toys. Play is my business. You know, that's my job. And so I have a lot of toys in my house and I always want to make sure that people know that if I was not a professional play person, that I would not have this number of toys. I have things because I need to be able to film a demonstration, you know, so I have things in my playroom. Yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? That my it's kids ironic don't. with our jobs. I have stuff like that too. And I'm like, I'm teaching you to simplify everything. <laughs> and you have to realize like, this is my job. So I have things for like examples and I have extra clothes because all I do is film like outside of this. It doesn't yes. need to be this much. It's ironic. <laughs> yeah, it totally is. It's really important. And it's important too, like that. There, so part of the challenge that the folks who are listening to this are doing right now is they are getting to know their kids. And so there are mm. oftentimes things where we, 
times where we we bring in toys that that we think our kids are supposed to want or we think that they should be playing with that they're not interested in at all and they sit around collecting dust never getting used like i really want parents really getting to know their kids what this is one thing that happens for me is with Legos. Like I had this idea in my head that like smart kids, creative kids, innovative kids, engineers, you know, STEM kids, they play with Legos. So I keep thinking like, oh, my kids need Legos. They don't like Legos though. Allie, they don't like Legos, but I keep bringing them into the house, you know? And there's so much pressure out there in the world. I don't know. There's this piece of it of really slowing down and getting to know your kids and being honest with yourself about what kids you have. And that is huge. Like, I'm so happy you're saying that you brought that up because I don't think parents realize when they come to me for help with this area, like, there is the element of the kids and there's a few different types of motivation types and personality types with your kids and connecting with that and using that information to speak to them about having a a simpler way of living and making this like enjoyable and all of that. But there's a huge piece that is the parent. Mm -hmm. The parent doesn't realize how much attachment they have to their kids space, their room, the amount of toys they have, the way that things feel. And even like, I would even venture to say, the appearance of the parent to other people based on how much their kids have. Does that make sense? Oh, yes. Or the, like the status symbol toys, like the Grimm's wooden rainbow, you know, that is so beautiful on Instagram, you know, it's beautiful. But Mm -hmm. if your kids don't touch it, why do you have it in your playroom? You know what I mean? Take it out. If you like it so much and it's so beautiful, put it in your bedroom on your wall, on a (laughs) shelf on your wall because it brings you joy. But if your kids don't play with it, you don't need it. Yeah, I think we 100% get into the in the way. Here, I guess we can go two directions, Allie. You're the expert here. I don't know which is best. So what are some things that I guess we can either go into like the parent stuff? What are some things we need to be thinking about to release some of our holdups around this stuff or into the kid route? Like, you know, how do we start having conversations with kids? How do we know, you know, what kind of kid we've got and how to help them start releasing some things and embrace some more simple ways of living? Yeah, let's do that just because it's probably the more commonly asked question. And if anyone wants to go like super deep their side of things, like they can come to me. (laughs) Okay, good. Okay. Yes. So yes, the kids. So there's two main questions that my community wanted me to ask you um, because I I asked them lots of different ways to get good questions. And one is how do we start talking at what age and, you know, so when and how do we start having these conversations with kids? And then what do we do with the kids who are littlest hoarders, the ones who really don't want to get rid of anything? Mm -hmm. They're adamant that they want to keep not just their toys, but the things they've outgrown, the special Mm -hmm. rock they found that one time. Yes. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) You know, so the two big questions my community have for you. Those are great. Let's start with the first one. How do you start? Like, when do you start talking and how do you do that? So I have two parts to this answer. The first part is I bet you that if everyone listening can just pause and think about something in your family, that's just the way you do things that you've never actually communicated with your mouths to each other. It could be that you eat meat. It could be Mm. that you don't eat meat. It could be that you always have water with your meals. You never really have like orange juice or juice and it's always just water. It could be that you go to church on Sundays. It could be that you always have family dinner on Friday. Like if there's things that you do, that is something about the way you are as a family unit 
that just is, and it's not ever really spoken about. It's mm-hmm. just kind of communicated through your actions, the way you shop, the way you prepare food, the way you live. That is the most powerful way of communicating anything. That is your kid's childhood. That is the way you live your, your life. Annie Dillard said, how we spend our days is how we spend our lives. So in mm-hmm. those mundane moments, that is the communication. That is where you're communicating the like 90% of your messaging to your children. And so mm-hmm. I call that your family culture. Yeah, that's so what I was you thinking too. Bring, yeah. So when I say like, I reference that a lot and kind of forget to explain it. Whenever I say that, that's what I'm referring to is that kind of vibe. Every family has just like a family culture and they have a family culture around food, around being together. You even have a family culture around family that isn't in your home. So like your relatives and how you Mm -hmm. feel about them, how you treat them, how involved they are. And often it's not really spoken. It would be kind of weird to be like, today we're going to have chicken for dinner, like Okay, like it would be weird to be like suddenly going to have chicken when you've been having chicken all the time. It would not be weird if you're a vegan and you're like, tonight we're going to have chicken for dinner. Like that would need to be announced because your family culture is to not eat chicken. Does that make sense? Oh, it makes complete sense for sure. Okay, so the biggest communication comes through the way you live and you can do that with stuff. You already are doing it with stuff right now, however you are in your family, however you, your kids act and you respond or you act and your kids respond when you walk into target to get cleaning wipes. If they expect to go to the toy aisle and get something, if they would never even think of it, whatever it is, you already have a family culture around things, around consumerism, around responding to commercials, everything. And that just comes from the unspoken language that you've communicated to your kids their entire lives. And so to shift that is actually really easy. You can just begin to shift. You can begin to shift it in yourself and the way that you are with purchasing things, with how much stuff you have under your bathroom cabinet, how much stuff you have in your closet and no shame here. It just, if you don't need it, if you don't adore it, if it's not bettering your life and getting used, get rid of it. That's communicating in the family culture language already. Yeah. That's so, so important. I think yeah. What goes unsaid in families is often so very powerful for kids. So much louder than what is said mm-hmm. a lot of the time. Absolutely. So that's the first part of that. And the second part is actually having a conversation. I usually say, and this is, you know, I'm not like a therapist or a doctor or an expert in that at, at all. It's just from what I've observed in working with so many different families over the years. Age three seems to be the age where it's like, Okay, like they're kind of understanding more. They feel excited to have a choice when you're going to like, you know, do their room. Or I actually usually suggest not starting with their things, starting with your own and asking them for their help. So they are observing you making decisions about your things. Oh my gosh, that's a really good Because if you go straight to them, it can so easily feel like a random punishment or something. You have to be so careful. Yeah, for sure. And the attachment to your stuff isn't there for them. And so it's much harder to get rid of things that you're attached to that you feel some have some kind of relationship with. And it's decluttering is a skill too. you know, being able to hone that skill on something that's kind of low hanging fruit that there's not a lot of attachment to, I can imagine would build that skill in kids so much faster. 
Yeah. And, you know, you're not giving them any real choices there because they're observing you making decisions with ease. So having Mm. them come in and be like, oh, I haven't worn this in so long. Oh, will you put this in the declutter pile for me? We're going to give that to somebody who needs it. I don't need it. I don't wear it. Somebody Mm -hmm. else needs it. Mm -hmm. And then taking them to the donation center. My favorite place to donate things is women and children's centers. Mm -hmm. They're usually accepting things and they're so grateful and it actually gets used in a way that's really great rather than, you know, some of the big donation centers don't really handle things very well. And so you take them with them and you're talking to them about it. And, you know, one time this hasn't happened since, but about seven years ago, I did this and I took my kids with me and they actually like some of the women that were living in the center were kind of just like around helping out with stuff. And they were talking to me and they were so grateful. They were going through my jeans and like freaking out because they were like the right size and they were such nice jeans and they were just so happy. And my kids saw that and they mentioned it all the time. That really stuck with them. That's what I'm saying. Like that's family culture. I'm just, they're being a part of me doing it and you are communicating to them. And as you're doing it, as you're decluttering, as you're driving to the donation center, you're saying things like, I feel so happy when I don't have clutter. Clutter is too much stuff and showing them, look at this pile. This is clutter. Oh, this didn't make me feel good. Now look at my drawers. Now look at the kitchen. Oh my gosh, I can't wait to cook in here. It feels so good. And you're just showing them and you're not saying a word about their toys, about their stuffed animals. You're not saying a word about anything. And I would suggest kind of staying in that place for, you know, as long as you can, at least a week, I would prefer a couple months of just doing that in your own home, doing their stuff last, and then being like, you know what, there's kids that need some things. There's kids that need toys that don't really have any. There's kids that need clothes that don't fit you anymore. What if we make piles for you and make it a game, make it exciting. And then you're listening to their cues. So Mm -hmm. if there's panic, If there's tears, you have to really just detach from your own emotions. It is not about you. You can cause damage. You can, I mean, this is their space. This is their stuff. And kids already have so little control in life already. Mm -hmm. It's so anxiety inducing, especially for certain personality types. So if there's tears, you know, the response is not to get frustrated and be like, you have too much stuff. We're doing this. Just wait. Just keep waiting. I promise you, no matter how attached your kid is, they will come around. You just need to give some more time to have the family culture shifted before they're ready. Oh, I love that. You know, I really love the kind of the narrating how you're thinking and feeling. So, you know, we all have these internal voices and internal dialogues that are happening. And I don't think parents think about very often modeling healthy internal narratives, you know, like the story we tell ourselves about our stuff, about Mm -hmm. interactions. And it's actually a really powerful way to help children develop healthy internal dialogues and narratives themselves is by modeling them out loud for the kids. And that's what you're doing. You know, so that's, I mean, that's a really beautiful kind of therapeutic tool (laughs) to be using. And I love that. And just really like letting it take time being letting it be easy and if there's resistance understanding that if we push against the resistance they're only going to push back harder it's only going to make it worse i know that there's folks out there in the kind of minimalism world that just kind of recommend doing it while the kids are at school or while they're asleep and i think Mm. you feel kind of strongly about that and so i'm kind of curious if you will take a stand (laughs) yeah for sure nothing makes me 
like it's gut-wrenching it's so sad whenever I see someone do that it just really breaks my heart because those kids like that is their stuff that's their space it's really like that's all they have and it's kind of like kind of technically not even really theirs and I think kids sense that a little bit you know Mm -hmm. like it's up to you what they do in their day ultimately it's up to you what they buy and what they have like you can go and buy a cheeseburger right now a kid can't do that you can go and buy yourself a brand new you know something that makes you happy right now kids have to ask they have to wait they have to say they have to whatever you know it's just different and so oh my god um, wait Ellie can we just pause for just a second like oh yeah my heart just for kids. I just love kids so much. And I think it's, you're so right. You know, everybody in this community is striving to create a different childhood for their kids where their kids don't feel so out of control and disempowered as kind of the mainstream way of being with kids is. You're so right. They have so little control. Yeah, they really do. They really and do. Even, even the control that they have was given by us. So they're not even in control of the control. Ooh. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> and I think they know. They know that. And, you know, if I've, one of the things that I've been really sitting with as a, as a parent, my kids are a little, you know, a little older. My daughter is 12. And then, you know, I have four and my youngest mm-hmm. is seven. And, you know, they'll do things like, hey, mom, can I have some of these dried strawberries? And I'm always like, yes. <laughs> Why are you <laughs> like, ask, get them get the strawberries. And no matter how open I am and how we are, like they just always ask. Mm -hmm. And I always, I've been thinking about that lately. Like, why are they asking if they can have like a snack when I'm always, always my answer is of course, like, yeah, go ahead. Have you asked them cooking? Don't have a snack. Yeah, I have. And they're always just like, I don't know. Okay. Well, but just things like that, like it just shows like they literally, they know. They know that they're not really in control and it's all up to us. And as somebody that has, you know, struggles with anxiety, that's got to be freaking terrifying. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my gosh. And you know, it is, it's just the way that society trains us and conditions us to treat children. Oh. Yes. You're uh, you're under me. You're not in charge. (sighs) It's not up to you. Like when you eat, if you're allowed to like get up and go to the bathroom at school or not, like it's terrifying. So I can't. These poor children. I'm like super like empathic and I get like so sad when I think about that. Okay. So like. So we have to respect our kids. (laughs) You have to respect your kids. Not really the other way around actually. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. (laughs) I feel like that's like touchy, but. Oh, no, no. I just made a reel on that. Did you really? Yeah. People get mad at me when I say it, but you don't, you know, your kids don't need to respect you. It will come. It will come. But we're the adults. We're supposed to be setting the tone, right? Exactly. They learn to respect you by being respected, for sure. Exactly. And this is a huge part of that. So when someone like goes on Instagram and is like, Oh, like I heard Allie talking about decluttering and so the kids are at school and I'm just having at it. I like freak out and I'm just like, I message them right away. And I have a huge like novel of a message saved in my phone that I copy and paste like, no, because (laughs) it is literally the worst thing you can do. And actually, you know, I try to shy away from like labels or making anyone feel afraid of anything, but I will always very like 
very bluntly say that is literally the key ingredient in the recipe for a quarter for a child that wants to control their space and their things because it was taken from them consistently when they were little they do notice when the things are gone you saying that they never play with it they didn't even know it was there is probably not true Mm-hmm. And even if it was, it's really not yours and it's not worth it. Cause in the end, you're not going to get the results you want. Not only that, you're going to get the exact opposite of the result that you want. It is so important to teach our kids to do this for themselves, which is why I even, I don't even know if you, if we've talked about this, but the kids book that I is yeah. coming out in March, there is no books like that. They don't exist. And I had to fight really hard to make that book happen because everyone just does it for the kids. No one is teaching the kids how to go counter culture and not be obsessed with stuff and not let their room be a disaster and, and to empower them to take control of their space. And it didn't exist. And now it does. I am so passionate about parents teaching their kids this stuff, not learning it for themselves and then going and taking more control away from their kids. They've got to learn. And you're the teacher. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and it, it's wild that anything else that we want our kids to learn, we involve them, we teach them. So if we think like, I really want my kids to know how to bake when they grow up, like we start young, we teach them how to bake, we get them involved, we get the them doing the things that they can do. We, you know, we slowly mm-hmm. teach them the skills that they need. And then we step back and let them do it for themselves, you know, as we scaffold and support them, anything else that mm-hmm. we want our kids to be able to do. How is this any different? It's not. Yeah. And really it comes down to the parent wanting control more than they want the kids to learn. Yes. (laughs) So we have to get real with ourselves Mm -hmm. about that. Brutally honest. (laughs) Yeah. You have to get really honest and just look. And that is why, like when you were telling me, let, do you want to go down the kid path or more the parents issues path? I was like, well, they're, they're going to (laughs) intersect. Of course (laughs) they will for sure. It's all connected, you know, and it, and it is, it's tricky and it's complicated, but we, it's really about getting real with yourself about why do you want this? Yes, it's nice that there's less cleanup. The kids can do their chores in like two seconds instead of two hours because there's less stuff. Things look better and feel better to all of you. And that, you know, releases some stress for the parent for sure. But really, like, I want my kids to carry this lifestyle into adulthood. And they're not going to do that if I've, you know, scarred them by taking control, decluttering when they're not here, screaming at them because they have too much stuff. And it's ridiculous when I'm the one that taught them that. Like we have to really take a look at ourselves in this process. Yeah. And it's the long game, right? We have long-term goals as parents that sometimes, you know, take a while to realize and, you know, we can undermine ourselves in the moment when we kind of focus on instant gratification versus that long-term goal. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So I think we touched on it a little bit, like that if you are meeting with resistance, you know, you've got to do a little bit more of the kind of the shifting the family cultural piece of it and moving. But so what do we do with those kids who really like really don't want to let go of anything or hold on to things? How do we help them develop this skill? And when do we know when to let go? Just kind of just as a personal story, when I was a kid, I used to collect dryer sheets. I love the smell of them. They smelled like my grandma. They were, you know, warm and I would keep them <laughs> in a little drawer in my room. You know, my parents just let me, even though it was like basically trash. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I found them when I moved to college, like when I graduated from college and was moving out of my childhood bedroom finally and forever, you know, and I found them and I was like, I cannot believe my parents let me 
keep those things. And my mom was like, well, it's your room, you know, it's your room. And it was very sweet. And so I I guess I just like, where is the line? And and how do we navigate that? And how do we know where it is with with our individual kids? And maybe this is something that your book helps. Yeah. Okay. So as the parent, the my first book, Declutter Like a Mother, talks about this from the parents' perspective in supporting the kids. The other book is for kids themselves. What is the um, name of your kids' book? Be the Boss of Your Stuff. Oh, what a cute name. Yes. Okay. Be the Boss of Your Stuff. We'll have the link in the show notes. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So this is my favorite question because I won't go through all the types because there's it's an in-depth thing and there it's that is in declutter like a mother the five types and there's a quiz you can take for free it's alleycasasa.com slash kids quiz and that will help you find out which type your child is but my favorite type is the emotional and attached type and it's my favorite type because well I like a challenge and it is a little bit of a challenge to get these kids to really grasp this but also emotional and attached kids I have yet to find an emotional attached kid that is not also an empath mm-hmm. and an empathic children are, that's me. I feel so seen by them. I love to see them right back and like support them and give them like what I always needed as a child. And I have one emotional and attached type child and it's my daughter and she's incredible. She is so intuitive. She is so sweet, so kind she just feels everything. And so of course the rock has a soul and feelings and a mm-hmm. name. And she <laughs> wanted to keep every stuffy when she was, you know, really little, she is 12 now. So she, you know, is it's much different now and she's, she's good to go. She's got it. She knows her space is, is her space and she protects it. And she really just declutters with ease on her own. I don't even have to remind her. She's also very creative and very messy. Mess is different than clutter. So always keep that in mind as well. (laughs) But so just to give hope for you guys that have an emotional attached child, you have to just be patient and they will get it. And I'm telling you, it is such a gift to teach them this, especially them, because they're the ones that will have so much emotion. They'll have a really hard time later when they are adults getting rid of things. If no one teaches them how, because everything is special, because everything is, they're attached to everything. And they're remembering when someone gave them this, or they wore this on their first date with this person, they're not going to know how to process feelings and separate them from the things themselves. You have to teach them that. So, oh my God, can, Allie, <laughs> you just described me. They can be me. labeled like, yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> I, I, that's why when we were doing our call, like I was just able to see you because that is how I was as a child. And I didn't feel like I was given space to do that. Mm-hmm. And then look what happened when I was an adult. I was so overwhelmed by crap. Like I got so depressed and it was stealing my motherhood from me. It's something that we have to teach our kids. So they're the ones that can be labeled the most difficult with this stuff, but they're actually the ones that need to be taught the most. Some of the other personality types tend to like kind of pick up on this pretty quickly, or they may naturally be, I've ever met someone that's just kind of naturally a minimalist. So with them, there's so many layers here and there's no way I could get into all of it right now, but I will say acknowledge their feelings 
and like repeat them back to them. Like, oh my gosh, you love this because Nana gave it to you. Oh my gosh, I remember when you get your like letting, yeah. and then you're kind of my other favorite tip for this is as you're doing that, kind of like shift away from you know the stuffy or whatever it is and shift to Nana, shift to daddy, shift to you know mm. Aunt Mary or whoever it is, shift it to the person. There's a this is a little woo, but there's an exercise, like a meditation exercise that I have done many, many times, especially in my personal work and working through like emotional overeating. And you pull the feelings out of the food and you imagine it like kind of coming up in front of you into like a ball of light and you send it to the person that you want to experience those feelings or that you experience those feelings with. So I'm going somewhere with this to so follow me. For example, I had memories as a child of going to Jack in the Box with my dad when I would go to drive to check the business mail with him like once a week. And those were some of my fondest memories. And I like love my dad. And so I, I was attaching Jack in the Box with love, Jack in the Box love, Jack in the Box love. Mm -hmm. And I was like my food of choice when I would binge. And so in this exercise, my coach walked me through pulling those, those feelings up. Oh, I'm with my dad. I'm getting one-on-one -on -one focused attention. He's teaching me things, talking to me about whatever I want to talk about. I get to pick the music. I'm not with my siblings. I was just me and my dad. This is the best ever. And I pulled it out of the Jack in the box and then like sent that love right back to my dad and like also put it in my heart. And it sounds a little cheesy, but it worked. I haven't had Jack in the box in three years. It worked. That's <laughs> and so, amazing. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so my point is you can do that with your kids kind of like redirect like oh and the this little stuffed chickie is so cute and nana gave it to you and what else did nana do what else does she do remember when we yeah. were baking christmas cookies with her remember when she you know she comes and she always brings you a butterscotch lollipop oh it was so fun oh remember she was she always hugs you for so long and squeezes you and says i love you to the moon and back kind of just shifting those mm -hmm. feelings and you guys you don't even have to do anything with the stuffy you don't even have to make a decision. It's, I'm telling you, it might sound super slow and overly dramatic, but it is not. These are steps to declutter. You are slowly training your child that the emotions and the memories are not in the things. They are in people. They are in experiences. They are in themselves and they can experience those good feelings anytime they want to pull them out. It has nothing to do with stuff. Same with my other example. It has nothing to do with food. It has to do with people with experience and with self-love. And we can pull that out of ourselves anytime. So to teach our kids that that is not related to things is one of the biggest gifts you can give them. I am telling you, especially the emotional and attached type of child. Oh my gosh, <laughs> Holly, that was so powerful. Yes, <laughs> that's a, what a beautiful gift to give children. You know, and yes, I, I think huge. that everybody who's listening is really invested in raising emotionally intelligent folks, kids, you know, who will grow up and be able to fully live and fully access all their emotions and process them and know how to regulate them and, and know how to feel them. And this is part of it. Because when we allow feelings to get trapped in things or in food, it doesn't allow us to fully be mm -hmm. present with them in the healthiest of ways. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And it's like breaking that pattern of 
the, you know, what we were taught again through family culture. These are things that are very rarely actually communicated that this is how you soothe. This is love. Food is love. Things are love buying people's love. Like it's definitely a pattern and this generation is breaking that and it's beautiful work and it's important work. So don't diminish it or think you don't have time for it. Like this is huge. This is such a huge gift for your kids. It is. It's so big. Well, Ali, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us again (laughs) and taking it into places and really lovely, deep places that I think we are never expecting to go. I mean, you know how deep it is, but I think the average person who's just getting started on figuring out how to have a more simple childhood for their kids is doesn't realize how deep all these things run. So I appreciate you being willing to go there with us so much. Of course. Yeah, absolutely. It's my honor. And so I know that folks are going to be listening to this in January. Is your your book for kids available for pre-order right now? I know we can, I'll have the link to your Declutter Like a Mother, your book. And I think you're, are you running your Declutter Like a Mother challenge right now too? It is the third through the seventh or eighth. Okay. It's five days starting January 3rd. And the book is available for pre-order. It comes out March 1st. It is Literally, it's four kids, and my older two kids, my 12 year old and my 10 year old, helped write it. And they're Aww. in the book as well. Like, and they're in the audiobook, like, they're talking to your kids, they're teaching them. And when you pre order, you get a free course that the kids made to explain all of this to your kids because kids love learning from other kids. I feel like they, they just re- receive it so much better. Yeah. Oh, that's so awesome. Okay. So I'll have all the details for how to get the pre-order of the kids book. And of course your beautiful book that all we should all have. Thank just you, in friend. Yes, of course. No, thank you. I'm so excited to have had you here with us again. I really appreciate all you do helping moms simplify that it's a complicated thing. Raising humans, <laughs> yes. it's a really complicated thing. You know, whatever we can simplify, you know, all the better. Couldn't agree more. Thank you for having me again. Absolutely. Okay, so thanks for listening today. Um, Remember to subscribe to the podcast. And if it was helpful, leave me a review. That really helps others find the podcast and join us in this really important work of um, creating a parenthood that we don't have to escape from and creating a childhood for our kids that they don't have to recover from. And if you're listening, grab a screenshot and tag me on Instagram so that I can give you a shout out Um, and definitely go follow me on Instagram. I'm at Laura Froyan PhD. Um, That's where you can get a behind the scenes look at what balanced conscious parenting looks like in action with my family. And plus I share a lot of other really great resources there too. All right. That's it for me today. I hope that you keep taking really good care of your kids and your family and each other, and most importantly of yourself. And just remember, balance is a verb and you're already doing it. You've got this.